Did You Hear podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle podcast network. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. And Pat, we got the NBA playoffs. We got the NHL playoffs. We're deep into the baseball season. But today, we're going to talk some NFL. Yeah, exciting to kind of look back a little bit and and see some teams that have improved so far as we sit here. You know, we're moving into June. Uh, you know, optional minicamp has started for teams. Big stories. Aaron Rodgers didn't show up, but I know we don't need to touch on that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, a good time to kind of look back at the football offseason, see what teams have done either through free agency and through the draft, and we'll start moving as we get closer to training camp. Yeah, my, my one rule that I told you was that I cannot talk about Aaron Rodgers or Julio Jones anymore. That's why I laughed as soon as I said it. (laughs) It's just too much. And I mean, we we know this anyway, but the the leading story on ESPN for the past month, literally, and especially now with Julio, you've got all the playoffs going on, you've got baseball going on, but no, we need to lead every single morning with what Aaron Rodgers says next. I can't take it anymore. Until it happens... And then we got to talk about the repercussions. I can't... Aaron Aaron Rodgers has us all around his finger. Which is exactly how he wants it. Exactly. He's just playing with us, and we keep buying into it and letting him. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's so true. I'm at the same point where you are at this point, where let's talk about it when we're moving close to the season and you know he's going to be in Green Bay, or let's talk about it if he is moved and and talk about the repercussions. And the date, June 1st, is going to be a big day because Mm -hmm. that's when all those cap hits disappear. So that's when we're going to start seeing some real movement, I think. And I actually think Julio might move first just because the way things escalated seemed to be on a different scale. But let's talk about something more interesting. When we were talking about topics, Pat mentioned what teams have improved most since the draft. It's funny you mentioned you kind of encompassed it all with offseason when you let us off here. I did that uh, unintentionally. I'll go first. So my team is the New York Jets. And the obvious pick for me was the Patriots. And I decided Mm -hmm. to shy away from them because I think a lot of other teams aren't getting enough credit for what they did do. And the Jets, just to preface, it might seem like an easy pick, because I think I mentioned this in our draft preview episode, when you're so bad, I think you always look good after a draft because you have so many holes, and if you can just put warm bodies at these positions, (laughs) you're exponentially better than you were last year, and that is very much the case in New York. But I actually do think the Jets did a very nice job in the draft, and I want to start way before that, the be- the end of the season, really, in the beginning of the 2021 offseason, by their head coach hire. Mm-hmm. Completely because agree. We've talked we talked on our last episode on, on walk-off last week about the role a manager in baseball and a head coach in football can have on the te- on your team. You, s- you see the way that Tony La Russa is affecting his team. The White Sox have lost a lot of games lately, and you could say that's coincidence, or you could say that this disharmony in the clubhouse is paying dividends and I think that is exactly I know that is exactly what happened in the Adam Gase era we close the chapter on that we open a new book you have Robert Sala who was uber successful in San Francisco people forget we're still in the very early stages of general manager Joe Douglas he came into a very difficult situation and is slowly piece by piece putting things together, but to now talk about some specific things that they did to make this team better. 
In the 2019 draft, the last year of the former GM, four of the first six picks that the Jets had were used on defensive players. In 2020, Douglas's first year, three of the first five were offense. And in 2021, four of the first five were offense. The difference with the Jets this upcoming season is that they have a fighting chance. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately for Sam Darnold, he never got that chance. What? Tell me what you think just about that first one before I get into in, anything more specific because there was such a big debate, obviously, about whether the Jets should stick with Darnold, see how he could be with a competent team around him because it was incompetence for so long. And then he moves on. They literally start fresh with Wilson. And I think for Wilson, the expectations are higher now, if at all. If Darnold had any expectations on him, they were so minuscule. But it's going to be on Wilson now to compete because he has some really talented players around him. Yeah, and that's really fair. And so going back to Joe Douglas, because I think that's the perfect place to start. I mean, I think we have to give him a lot of credit heading into the season where I think the Jets are. Because when he took over from Mike McAgden, I mean, talentless might be too nice to say about what the Jets rot the shape that the Jets roster was in, you know, there's some disasters before with McCagnan and I, I'm I'm blanking on the oh John Idzik before that, another just disastrous general manager reign. They had the wrong coach in there that everyone knew from the day one when he was hired in Adam Gase. And I I think Douglas has slowly but surely started to add talent, start to add draft picks to this roster. I I do think he got the head coaching hire correct. I'm very excited about Robert Sala and what could possibly happen with the Jets there. And then going to Darnold specifically, uh, you know, when we went on with uh, Jevin on on his show, talked about what to do with Darnold. And I I said I thought they should deal him. And so I... Obviously, as we stand here now, I completely agree with the move that they made with Carolina, sending him to Carolina. They got some good draft capital back, and they're able to start over here with with Zach Wilson and someone that I think has a much higher ceiling than Sam Darnold. So I think just the the start from there, you know, going to Douglas, to Salah, to to the quarterback, I I think you've seen pretty either heavy to marginal improvements at all of them, which can lead into an exciting future for the Jets. Yeah, exactly. And actually, heavy to marginal improvements is something that you can take even further into position by position on this team. But I agree with you that I'm totally fine with them literally starting from ground zero by by dealing even Darnold away, who really didn't have too many critics because it was everybody else's fault but his. Mm -hmm. He wasn't great or anything, but you you give the guy a second chance just because he's had such a hard time. And that's why they were able to get draft capital back from him and this is even as my in my head as I'm thinking it it's going to sound weird but in a rebuild you're obviously always thinking about the future and it seems Mm -hmm. that's where the Jets have been for so long but when they dealt Darnold away that was finally them starting from the bottom and moving up again with competency in the coaching staff and in the GM and I think in year one 2020 they made some big moves and in year two of Joe Douglas, 2021, they drafted Zach Wilson second overall, who was the second best quarterback in the class and was picked as such. They got um, Vera Tucker, sorry, in their second pick. They moved up from the 23rd pick to the 14th pick to pick arguably the top interior lineman in the draft. There's obviously a lot of controversy over moving up to pick a guard. 
I'm but I think it. that was an okay move. Yep, I'm okay I'm with for that. It. I'm completely. And listen, then we saw a year ago what happened when they spent a premium asset on an offensive right. lineman, Makai Becton. How important that was. Obviously, the rest of the line was a disaster, and Darnold struggled with that. But Becton helped transform that line. So now you're going to tell me that you're going to add in one of the more highly ranked, you know, interior linemen that have come in draft and, and over the last couple of years and add him to the left side of the line. Zach Wilson's got to be thrilled with that. And I am all for moving up to protect your quarterback. Yeah. One of the most dominant left sides of the line in the league. And if you have one half, then you're definitely on the way to the other half too. And then the third pick, this was a guy that I highlighted in my draft preview, yep. Elijah Moore, three of their top three picks, their top three picks were in PFF's top 50. I think that is a a check, check, check for all three. There was obviously the top tier of wide receivers in Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, and Jalen Waddell. Behind them, it was Elijah Moore. And the reason why I started off with a fighting chance is because this is what is so important. When you have gone defense for so long, in no way is the Jets defense anything more than average, if not below average. But if you can at least have some stability, and I think they do in every position besides cornerback, that is still their glaring weakness. We can talk about it in a little bit. They're, they have one of the best safeties in the AFC, if not the league. I know you agree with that. Yep. They have a lot of, of talented guys that just need a little bit more development, and hopefully Salah especially can help them in that journey. Then you start stacking the offense, and that's exactly what the Jets did. I... I'm a huge fan of Moore. Their line's going to be great. In terms of other pass catchers slash playmakers from last year, you've got Denzel Mims. You've got Jamison Crowder, who they might not even need because they have four other top-tier guys. You also drafted Michael Carter. You got Corey Davis, who we talked about in an off-season preview. I love as Corey being, Davis. being one of the biggest offensive free agents to target. Guys that Jets fans wouldn't have dreamed about just three years ago when they thought they were going to turn the corner with Sam Darnold. Finally, in 2021, expectations are going to be high because I think this team has a fighting chance. And do, do I, does that mean a winning record? Of course not. But you have things to look at and you you have the opportunity to see how these players develop. And you did not get that with Adam Gase. Yeah, you're, you're so right. And I, I think a lot of it does go back to the previous general manager reigns too. And looking back, exactly. this is you know crazy. From 2010 to 2019, nine out of their 10 first round picks were defense. It's, and, mo- and most of them like were It's like Green wits. Bay. It's like uh, Green Bay. Yeah, it, Kyle Wilson, uh, Quinton Copels, D. Milner, Calvin Pryor, Darren Lee, all just disastrous. I don't even know any round. of those names. Yeah, so. all disastrous first round picks for them. And you've seen the draft then improve recently for the Jets. And Makai Becton, of course, in 2020. Quinn and Williams in 2019 developed nicely. Uh, this year, Sam Darnold, we still don't really know what it is. Jamal Adams in 2017, the best thing he could have been was the trade asset, which the yep. Jets were able to use because they were able to get a ridiculous haul for a safety, which you do every single time. So I, I do really like the direction that the Jets are moving as you touched on it especially weapon wise i mean Corey davis and eli elijah moore that's exciting it really is and that's the jet fans haven't had excitement in a while on offense it's been so stagnant there's been such a lack of playmakers i mean what the best playmaker that the jets have had over the last four or five years is probably robbie anderson i was just and, gonna say and, yeah yeah and, and they, they, they yeah and they let him walk 
So I, I think you have to be excited. Now, of course, there's a lot of volatility with this team, you know, with a rookie quarterback coming in that, you know, played at BYU. So you didn't have the top tier competition, but you certainly saw, you know, all the physical attributes flash on tape. They're a young team, as we said, with that left side of the line. It's going to be a second-year player and a rookie, you know, at left tackle and left guard. Uh, Denzel Mims only going to be a second-year player. Obviously, Eli Moore is going to be a rookie. Uh, Corey Davis still isn't that old, hasn't been around for too long in the, in the league. So it's a younger offense. But, you know, if if things go right, if Robert Sal is, is able to really deploy that defensive game plan that we saw him use in, in San Francisco, I don't see why the Jets couldn't push towards a winning record yeah. this year. I, I, I'm very excited for this team going forward. I honestly think a big X factor could be the Patriots because depending mm-hmm. on which way the Patriots It's fall, how brutal the division is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Jets could finish third in that division. Or, yeah, yeah, they could finish third behind the Dolphins and the Bills depending on how good the Pats are and what their quarter play Completely is like. Quarterback play is like. And then, so the interesting thing about this team being young you have some veterans now, and I put that in quotes because I would put Corey Davis in the veteran category, but he would be a young guy in pretty yeah. much all the other teams <laughs> in the league. But then they went out and signed Carl Lawson, and they have Quinn and Williams, who is finally showing flashes of the first-round pick, one mm-hmm. of the arguably one of the most talented players on the team, if he's right. It's potential or bust. I think if these players show potential, then this this season could be deemed a success. If there's harmony... If they go out there and they don't make stupid mistakes, the coaching yep. staff especially, that was really th- their biggest Achilles heel. And it's all on the back of Zach Wilson. Something I'm surprised they haven't done, and I've seen this around a lot, backup quarterback. You know that I think backup quarterback is one of the most important positions on the field. Brian Hoyer is no longer an option. He was somebody that was linked to them. He signed back with the Patriots. Because of course he did. Bill wouldn't let him go. (laughs) Right? It is all or nothing with Zach Wilson. And that makes me a little bit nervous. I get having him ranked super high, going after him, having him have success. I mean, we saw the Joe Burrow experiment. That obviously didn't end well, and he's not nearly as talented as Joe. They've done a good job of surrounding him. Now we just have to see Wilson go out and do it. Yep. And unfortunately, we have about four months until we can see, right? June, yeah. July, August, September. Yeah, just a short four months. Then we'll finally know. Yeah, so that's that's what it is with this Jets team is it's, it's excitement. And I think, first off, I'm very happy for that four Jets fans because I feel like it's something they haven't had in a while. Yes. Even when Darnold came in, yes, there was a lot of hype around him, but I think Every Jet fan would admit that 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 offense wasn't exactly well-rounded around him, and it it never turned out the way it should be. And I don't think success for this year is solely attributed to, say, if the Jets are able to finish over 500 or push for a playoff spot. Remember, this is year one of of Robert Sala. This is year one of of, of Zach Wilson. So I think what you need to see, and it's kind of how you framed it at the beginning, is progress and you need to see them not just be overmatched from the start which is what you saw in a lot of games this past season and honestly over the past few years so if you're able to see them move forward be a little bit more explosive you know take some more chances and you know feel like they're in a lot more games yeah i think you feel good about this team moving forward that's the exact way to put it you want teams to fear the Jets a mm-hmm. little. I think that would be a win. And they have glaring holes. I mean, cornerback. Corner, they, corner, corner. Yes. They could have gone after Asante Samuel, who a lot of teams were after. They could have gone after defensive edge Aziz Ajolari was available. They went for more. So they are giving Wilson all the weapons he needs. And that's why I think 
it is a tough position for him to go. As much excitement as there is, it's not the same as when Darnold was drafted. You are exactly right. Jets fans are going to expect Wilson to produce because he is finally equipped properly, and Darnold never was. Mm -hmm. But that being said, I think the Jets can go out there and not embarrass themselves, which they did a lot last year. I mean, there there were points last season before the Jets won a game that people were saying Trevor Lawrence should stay at Clemson so that he wouldn't have to play for the Jets this season. And we're not there anymore. Not even close. No, and seriously, what a lot of it comes down to as well is just the coaching. I mean, I yes, and that's I, I am totally fine with that. I think yeah. that's hundred percent warranted. I can't over exaggerate how awful of a coach Adam Gase is, and I I would be very surprised if he got another head coaching opportunity. He, is After, he anywhere right now? Is he un- unemployed right I, now? I think someone picked him up for an offensive staff. I'm just blanking okay. on, I'll look on it where up it right was, now. but I I I would be very surprised if he gets another head coaching job and. And it's it's funny to look at it that way because at least Gase had a job first before coming to the Jets. You know, Robert Sala has never been a head coach before, and I think a lot of people are in the same boat that you are and that I am, and that we trust Robert Sala and think that he's going to turn into a, a pretty nice head coach. Yeah, it says all it says on his Wikipedia right now is that he's a former football coach. So <laughs> all right, so may, maybe not. <laughs> I can't yeah. imagine. I mean, based on his track record. He's going to have to be very good in an interview to, to get a job anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, I, I could see someone picking him up for as an assistant coaching role, but I would be shocked if he got another head coaching job. Yeah, me too. All right, yeah, so I the bottom line here is that I have expectations mm-hmm. for the Jets. While they are low, they are still expectations, and that's new, and I think that's a good thing. I'm completely with you. All right, who do you got? Sweet. I actually love how you went first and you went with the Jets because it's all offense, offense, offense. Well, I stuck in the AFC, and my team is all about defense, defense, mm. defense this offseason, and that's the Cleveland Browns. Now, the Browns went 11-5, and five, but I'm still picking them as one of the most improved teams from this past offseason, and it's all about their additions, and as I said, it's all about the defense. So looking at it at first, they brought in John Johnson, one of the better safeties in the league coming over from the Los Angeles Rams. I believe uh, for pro football focus, he actually ranked in the top five most valuable defensive players in the entire league. So a huge, huge addition coming to the back of that secondary. They decided to go back to the Rams and bring in Troy Hill. So, you know, it doesn't hurt when you take two secondary players from the number one overall defense. If you're trying to improve your defense, that's exactly what they did in Hill. They didn't stop there. Corner-wise, they went Greg Newsom in the first round from Northwestern. First Northwestern Wildcat drafted in the first round since 2005. And what you really like about Newsom, seven targets of 20 or more yards this season, zero completions allowed, 34 targets this season towards him, only 93 yards wow. allowed. He was a stud for the Wildcats, and I really, really love the pick for the Browns. The back end of the first round as well so what they did is they focused on secondary and why they focus on secondary they were defense was 21st in points per game last year just go to the game they lost in the in the playoffs Patrick Mahomes had a 70% completion percentage mm. in in that playoff game they got picked apart because they didn't have the you know the secondary depth and now they're going in at corner with Denzel Ward you know one of the better corners in the league Greedy Williams who was a high draft pick a couple years ago Troy Hill just got added to that add Greg Newsom as well I think you got to be pretty excited defensively so I'll stop there for now before I turn to the offense but what do you think about the Cleveland Browns Yeah I was going to say 
they were just ravaged by injuries in mm-hmm. the postseason, right? Because I I was reading a couple articles on the Browns, and if I had gone into the season without thinking anything, without doing any research, I would have thought that the Browns' defense was their biggest strength. Mm-hmm. And now you just went and highlighted everything they did, plus Jadavion Clowney. Yep, I was just about to get to that, too. To strengthen that with a former number one overall pick in Miles Garrett, with Baker Makefield finally making the turn and people getting him credit, can we please just give young athletes a chance to prove themselves times a billion, since we always say that? Mm Mm-hmm. The Browns are becoming a top three team in the AFC. And that's for years and years and years a top three team. They were a score away from beating the Chiefs in that game, despite Patrick Mahomes having a 70% completion rate. I mean, I don't think they had one starter on the offensive line. That was that Browns team, right? Yep. They were literally just pulling guys off of practice squads because they couldn't even form a full line. What they did, the the most interesting thing of all, too, is that they let these guys fall into their laps. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to move up, and you get an impact player like Newsom, who's going to make an impact on day one. I think he's a day one starter. I, one I starter. do, too. No, I completely agree. And you're so right on Clowney as well. That was part of the next wave here. And yeah. they're, they're able to bring him in. And listen, this isn't the Jadavion Clowney from a couple years ago. You know, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. But on the deal that they brought in, which is heavily incentive-laden, it's completely worth it to bring him in and pair him with Miles Garrett as well. I, I think that's exciting. Now, I don't think you're going to get the production from Clowney from a couple years ago, but you can't tell me that there's going to be a little, there's not going to be a little extra motivation for Clowney going out there of and course. being a part of one of the better teams in the AFC. Not even a mention as well of Jeremiah Owosu Koromo. Mm. I can't speak apparently, uh, coming out of Notre Dame. It feels like that pick kind of fit the Tampa Bay Buccaneers strategy there of draft athletic, quick, versatile linebackers. And that is exactly what JOK, which is going to be a lot easier to say, uh, (laughs) is going to be able to bring to Cleveland. So so I really loved that. And then let's go to offense because, you know, you mentioned Baker Mayfield. And I think that is one of the bigger points on why I even think this Browns team can be even better. Because going into year two now with Kevin Stefanski, which we saw what a good coach can do to stabilize a a franchise, Uh, Baker Mayfield, seven interceptions in his first seven games of last season, finished with one in his last nine. I think that has to get you excited about what Mayfield can do as he continues to mature and continue to progress in this system. I also look at it as Jedrick Wills is going into year two. He was one of the better young tackles in the game. I'd imagine he's only going to get better. And then just a note on the Browns as a whole. Think of where they were a couple years ago. I mean, we know they had the 0-16 season. They had been a laughingstock for a while. And John Johnson, you know, one of the better free agents period this offseason one of the top defensive free agents turned down more money elsewhere. His agents had significantly more money because he wanted to go play for the Cleveland Browns. Just think about the transformation they've made and why I say they're most improved or one of the most improved. I think that there is a legit argument that they are the second best team in the AFC right now. Yeah. Ahead of Buffalo and behind Kansas city. And there's no reason why they can't give Kansas city a run for their money. And it's because of that defense. Mm-hmm. That defense puts them ahead of Buffalo. I, I, st- I still would and That's pick- exactly where I'm going with it. Yeah, I would still pick Allen over Baker. As I would too. But the craziest thing, they're getting Odell Beckham Jr. back next year. Oh, yes they that are. That offense, plus one of the most impactful wide receivers in all of the league, 
all together with a healthy defense, it might not even be close. If they live up to that potential, it's going to be Kansas City, then a little bit of room, then Cleveland, then a little bit of room, then Buffalo, and then everybody else yep. significantly behind them. That's how I see it planning out. It's it's Kevin Stefanski. He deserves mm-hmm. so much credit, and so does Baker. Yes, he, he also does. seems like a really good guy, which I don't think gets enough credit. That isn't talked about enough. People love, 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 love Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. And he was a candidate for most improved player, too. If there was an award for best second half performance, he yeah. would have won that in a runaway. Because I've phenomenal. seen those. It was since, I'm pretty sure it was from that Pittsburgh game on. And then he didn't throw one interception. Or he threw one interception since. It was so fun to watch him making that leap. And he's also seen as the older guy, I'm putting that in air quotes, the older guy of this quarterback generation. He's older than Mahomes. He's older than Joe Burrow, older than Lamar Jackson. And it is still, I I can't even put into words how high of a ceiling this team has. Exactly. And that's what I'm looking at is that not only did they raise their floor this year yes. with with making those defensive improvements, but they really did raise their ceiling as they are a Super Bowl contender. And you 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 touched on it. That is exactly where I was going. Is that I give them the edge over Buffalo because of that now stable they have on defense, mm-hmm. especially in the secondary with you know John Johnson back there. And I went through the list of Ward, Williams, Hill, and Newsom. That that is something that Buffalo does not have, and what Buffalo also does not have is someone named Miles Garrett in yeah. there to rush the passer, and then Jadavion Clowney added as well. Tack McKinley, another high upside type guy that they added as more of a depth piece in, in the pass rush. I am super super excited about the Cleveland Browns, and like it is just crazy to wrap your head around where they were a couple years ago and the transformation that they've gone on from 0 and 16 to being legitimate Super Bowl contenders. Yeah. And it was all the instability that Baker Mayfield mm-hmm. went through, too. And yep. that was why he struggled so much. I love the way you put that about the floor and the ceiling. If this defense elevates just even a tiny bit, and that is their floor, and yep. then it's everything else you get on offense plus OBJ, man, that running back core, I don't know who's, I don't know what defense can stop them. Kansas City doesn't have the defense to stop them. No. Tampa Bay no. might. But that's going to be tough. Yeah, that's going to be tough. Maybe the Ravens' defense. I, the AFC North, I think, in the next couple of years, if Pittsburgh can go out and get a young quarterback, the AFC North might be the most fun division to watch for the next six or seven years. All those guys, as the Bengals come up, they add more on defense too. I think their offense is pretty set. This is going to be an electric division. Yeah, I'm so with you. It's great to have the you know the three young quarterbacks there in Mayfield, Jackson, and Burrow, where you feel yeah. pretty set for all of those franchises. Um, and then it's Pittsburgh, where that that roster is good, but it's a little older. And of course, we know the quarterback is older. The window's um, closing in Pittsburgh. We can it, say that. <laughs> I yeah, I I think you have to be nervous, you know, going into the season because you feel I personally feel that Cleveland and Baltimore are. are well ahead of of the Steelers moving into the season, which is you know also strange to say because think of the start Pittsburgh had with, yeah. with that with their winning streak. Yeah, but I I feel really good about Cleveland as we just went through, and I, I think Baltimore is going to be very strong as well as they address some needs, especially a wide receiver this offseason. Yeah, I I didn't give Baltimore enough credit when I put them. They're slightly above everybody else, but they're slightly below the top three. And again, oh agreed. 
If the Patriots get good quarterback play, they maybe become that isn't fifth that the, team. Isn't that the question? Yeah. Can can Cam Newton? I can't speak. Wow. Can Cam, Cam Newton throw? That is the yeah. big thing. How is that shoulder? And when if when slash if are we gonna see Mac in a relief? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be so interesting. That's why I'm I'm really happy we did this because all the headlines have been about Julio Jones and Aaron Rodgers and as much noise as they're going to make when they do move, if they do move, and you still we don't know what Deshaun Watson's futures look like. All of this offseason rumbling have taken away from the misgivings Russell Wilson was having just a few short months ago about uh-huh. Seattle. That could still be a card in play. But some teams are really making strides. And that's why I'm really happy we did this, because we highlighted them. And some teams... I did one crazy stat a while ago about how many teams... there Something like there's always one team that has a losing record that ends up making the playoffs the following season. Or yep. one team that has the former number one pick makes the postseason. Something like that. Something, Some team is going to put things together and capitalize and is going to make a crazy run. And maybe it's... Maybe it's the Jets. The, the Browns are already there. Yeah, they, listen, the NFL, because you, you hear it referred to as it's the easiest league to go worst to first, is yeah. you can rebuild quick in the NFL if you do it right. Yeah. And I, as to your point, I think the Jets are, are on their way to doing that, and I think the Browns are an example of what happens when you put the right people in the right spots. Perfectly said, Pat. Thank you so much. What a I great way that. to sum it up. Wow. That's all I got. That was perfect. This The... The Browns example are exactly what all the teams should be going for. It took a hell of a long time, but they literally went from laughing stock to perennial contender in three seasons. Yeah, really, just about. Two, two seasons as soon as Kevin Stefanski came. Now look at the spot they're in. It, it shows that, especially in this league, there is hope to turn around quickly. Yeah. There is no reason to need to be at the cellar for as long as teams like. And it's funny to say it, the Buccaneers, you know, the the Raiders and the and the Browns were for so long. Yeah. But now you see all three of them to varying degrees, you know, uh, on the up and up. Very varying degrees at this yes. point. Yeah. <laughs> I like the direction Oakland or Oakland Vegas is heading in, but they're not exactly the defending Super Bowl champions yeah, or no. perennial uh, contender at this point. Not yet, but Gruden might disagree. Who knows what's going through? <laughs> Gruden mind. would disagree, but yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. So that will wrap up our NFL segment. I have an NBA number. I'm going to go first so that we can end with you because I definitely cool. want to end with your number. Nice. So. My craziest number of the week is 22.25. And that is the average age of a young star to pull off an upset in game one of the NBA playoffs. So this is obviously a statistic that I made up, <laughs> but it's a, subjust- it's a subjective statistic. But there were four upsets in game one, actually, technically, the Suns beat the Lakers. That was not an upset. It was a two versus a seven. But almost every single person has picked the Lakers over the Suns in that series. So I'm counting it as an upset in this situation. That's fair. The Mavericks beat the Clippers in game one. Luka Doncic is 22 years old. That still blows my mind. The Suns beat the Lakers in game one. Devin Booker is 24 years old. You should be using Mikael Bridges for the Suns. but Oh, you know, love that. Yeah. Too. What? 23? <laughs> He's got to be around it. it. That would lower the average even more, so I should have. <laughs> Trey Young. Uh, excuse me. The Hawks beat the Knicks game one, which I think has been the best game of the playoffs so far. That was great. Trey Young is 22, and my personal favorite, 
the Grizzlies, the eight seed, the measly eight seed, who people didn't even think would beat the Steph and the Warriors. The Grizzlies beat the Jazz in game one. John Morant is 21 years old. We are seeing a new wave of players. We've talked about it so often in our MLB shows about this new young core. Mm -hmm. You're seeing it in, in the NBA, and that's why these playoffs are especially good this year because you have such a nice balance of old stars versus new stars, and it is epitomized in that Grizzlies win, even if that is the only win that the Grizzlies get in this playoffs, which I can't even say confidently because they came out and looked so good. Yes, Donovan Mitchell didn't play, but even if that is the only time the Grizzlies win, the fact that they went out there on the Jazz's home court and played the way they did with that Mm -hmm. much grit and toughness shows what an underdog can do, and it's just so cool. 22.25, that is the average age of those four guys that I just listed. And you could argue that those four guys are all probably top 20 in the league? Top 15? Yeah. John Morant's maybe top 20. He's probably the last guy I would say – Trey Young and Devin Booker and Luke obviously are higher than him, but he's definitely not lower than top twenty. So that is—it's just crazy. Twenty-one years old. Crazy. No, I I love I love how you put that, and I love your your made-up statistic. I think Thank it's you. a great statistic, actually. <laughs> and, and you're right; it shows the direction the league's moving in, and it's it. And you also have you know uh, contrasting styles in there. You know, you have the John Morant just physical freak and, and you know athletic phenomenon, and you compare to Luka Doncic, who is mm-hmm. more of that. You know, I, f- finesse isn't the right word. I, I'd go crafty, maybe even, where he's just so technically gifted. Um, you've got a long range shooter in Trey Young in it. You've got so many different styles, and then you've got the volume scorer in Devin Booker. It's it's really exciting. I think it's great for the league. It's funny because you know you look around and you see all these young stars. Even say Boston, you know, Jason Tatum had the multiple fifty point yeah. games this season. Tatum's far from being an older guy. Mm-hmm. You know the the. The only difference really is that the teams that are looked at as the favorites for the title and, you know, Brooklyn and, and the Lakers don't have those younger exactly. players and don't have those younger stars. So that's an interesting contrasting point there as well. But I must say, I, I do love what, what we're seeing from the younger players. I, I think it's super exciting. Um, and, you know, I, I think the Suns might win that series on an off note, but... I don't know. I I'm actually a little bit confused why so many people. Oh, as am I. Listen, yeah. I get it that LeBron and, and Davis missed good chunk of the season, so they are not your average seven seed. But I, are did people watch the Suns though? Yeah. And see how if, good they were this season. If I was a betting woman, which I am not, I would have put <laughs> money on the Suns. I just would because too. Yep. it's so so heavily towards LA, and, and I guess the biggest difference is that. All these teams that are favorites have either been in contention for so long that they don't have high draft picks, which is pretty much all of these guys. Mm-hmm. And also a team like the Clippers, who wasn't, but then they had that huge offseason where they were able to get Paul George and Kawhi. So it's kind of just a, a confluence of factors. But also, if you think about where some of these teams were, even if you think about where the Hawks were at the beginning of the f- season versus when they had Nate McMillan and then went 27-11, and 11, I think, to end the season... They're making things happen. John Morant is literally making things happen that every single analyst who makes that pick in an ESPN article, <laughs> except 
one person, and, and that was Monica McNutt. Did you see that John Morant tweeted at her afterwards? Yes, I did. Because she was the one analyst to pick the Grizzlies over I the that. Warriors. That was cool. And even the Warriors, I mean, Steph certainly isn't young. They had Wiseman, who maybe could have gone into this category had he been healthy. But you just see this young core. I It is so similar to the Soto, the Acuna, the... Uh, Vlad Guerrero, the fr- Franco, and the minor leagues, they all got personalities. They're all working really hard. You don't give yourself enough credit, Pat. You, you say you don't watch the NBA, but you the words <laughs> you use to describe all four of those guys, I couldn't have put a better word to. So. Thank you. No, it's I should say I do not watch the NBA like I watch baseball, soccer, yes, hockey, and, and college hoops. So I'll, I'll say that's where I uh, – and football, of course, before I sound like I don't watch the league that we just did a whole <laughs> podcast on. Um, but I also must note, you know, going back to our NBA preseason podcast, both of our teams made the playoffs that we said watch out for this you year. You said Hawks and Blazers. Hawks and Blazers. I actually what we went we went two for two on that. That is pretty good. And we Not did bad, pretty right? Pretty good in our NFL offseason preview. Mm-hmm. As well. Yeah, that's pretty good. I think I had Portland a little bit higher. I think I had them as a three. I'll give yourself credit. You had them yeah. in the playoffs. I had them in the playoffs, yeah. The Hawks, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Give ourselves some credit. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited for the NBA playoffs. I think there are going to be some upsets. I would love to see the Suns win. As would I. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it's great. And then for us, you know, we've got some Villanova representation as well. Jalen Brunson's playing really well yes. for the Mavs right now. you got, of course, DiVincenzo in Milwaukee and Mikhail in Phoenix. So it's it's pretty cool for as we take it back to our Villanova roots yeah, to be able a, to see them in the postseason. It's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Sweet. finish us out here. The best oh. story of the week. Would love to. Yeah, couldn't couldn't have this podcast without mentioning this. So my statistics, I actually have two because it's just, it's too good to, to talk to. So first I'll go with 115, and that is the ranking in the world that Phil Mickelson was coming into this weekend at Kiowa Island, the PGA Championship, and that 115th world ranking is the lowest by any major champion in golf since wow. Sean Mickel in 2003 at the PGA. The Nickel other, and Nicholson, that's weird. Yeah, I actually think I might have pronounced that one wrong, uh, but I, <laughs> it was Nick 2003. Hull. It might have been. I've, I'm blanking. I looked it up beforehand, but I, I'm not remembering correctly. Hopefully I got that one right. Yeah. And then the other is fourth, and this one is so cool. Mickelson becomes the fourth golfer in history to win in four different decades, Oof. joining a list of Sam Snead, Raymond Floyd, and Davis Love the Third. Oh, it was so great to see Phil come out and become the oldest golfer to ever win a major this weekend at such a beautiful course in Kiowa. I had an awesome time watching it. Um, it was great, and we talk about it with Tiger, and you can say it with Kepka and things like that, and Dustin Johnson. Golf is better and more interesting when Phil is towards the top. Mm. So to again, to your point on personalities in the NBA, I'm not sure there's a golfer out there with a better personality than Phil. You know, we see it in all the the last couple of the matches that's been televised. He is just such a fun guy to be around. So I am thrilled that he was able to get back and win another major. It came full circle, yeah. right? And I actually, I didn't watch the, like the full screen version, basically, of Tiger's mm-hmm. Masters win 2019, right? Yep. I was basically watching it over the shoulder of, as I was on the train of some stranger in front of me. So I didn't get the full experience. (laughs) But I was literally watching this on Sunday and thinking that I have never seen crowds like this before. I have never seen Add in the COVID aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. And the the picture of Phil with his fist raised 
as he made that last shot. I think it was on either 17 or 18. And it's just the crowd billowing behind him. If you're nice to people, then this is what happens when you go out and do something awesome. And that's what he's done. The crowd was there behind him. If he had done this during COVID and when golf was really the only thing that came back, that was cool Mm -hmm. that that happened. It would have been awesome. But for this to be the first one as people are getting vaccinated, finally things feel like they're going back to normal. And then for Phil Mickelson to go out and become the oldest golfer to win a major, that is really, really cool. And he wasn't even supposed to play in this tournament. He got the special exemption. He played and he won the damn thing. That's a way that's one way to do it. It's it's so cool. And and for Phil especially, you know, he's someone that has really been in Tiger's shadow for a good yes. portion of his career. And it's good not point. Phil's fault. It's just the era in which he played. You know, Phil has been a, an, an all-time golfer. And just to look at it, I think he actually said this himself. He's sitting on six majors right now. He's one behind Arnold Palmer. Wow. I mean, just think about that with the iconic names in golf. So it, I, I do want to kind of bring a note to that because I know everyone focuses on Tiger. And I get it. He's one of the he's number one or number two for the greatest golfers to ever live. But Mickelson deserves his due. He deserves his credit. And to see him go out there at the age of 50, almost 51, and, you know, outdoor guys like Brooks Kepka, who he was paired with, you know, in the final round, is really cool. And I think it's only a good thing for golf. And it was, it was great. So congrats to Phil for that because he gave some really good numbers on it for the podcast. Yeah. And it was just great to see. <laughs> he must have loved looking through that. Yeah, it, it, oh, yeah. Made, it was one of the best sports weekends ever. And Phil winning the PGA made it an even better weekend. And I love those year statistics, the decade statistics. Pat, we are literally in our third decade of life. Yes. And (laughs) Phil Mickelson has won. Is it a golf, just a golf championship? Not a major, Uh, right? Yeah, just a win. Yeah, just still. He has won a golf tournament in four decades. That is insane. Absolutely insane. It's uh, it's unbelievable. It is so uh, a great, great story as as you said to top off what was a phenomenal sports weekend. Yeah, and he's so good with the media too. I love yep. that he's so, he's gives such good interviews. Yeah, I don't know how if if you were just you just randomly turned on golf, you just randomly turned on CBS, you could tell how beloved Phil Mickelson is, mm-hmm. and I love that. Yeah, it's he's a great story. He's a great person. His tweets are fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's all about hard work. He just talked about hard work and believing in yourself, and I, I love that type of stuff. Yeah, it's it's, cool it's really exciting and just just good for golf. Yeah. So great, Very, great way to top it off. I'm sure the PGA Championship is loving it. The ratings are loving it. Everybody's happy right now. Everybody's happy. Yeah, exactly. And we move into an exciting time as well, where the U.S. Open will be at Torrey Pines next mm. month in San Diego, which is one of the more gorgeous courses in the world. And it's uh, also a place where Phil knows very well being from around the area. So back to back. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. But, Expectations um, <laughs> are high for Phil. <laughs> but, but no, it'll, it's it's a great time for golf. Isn't it, he, it really is. Isn't he eligible for the, is it called the senior PGA Tour? What is that one called? The Champions Tour? Champions Tour. Yeah, yeah PGA I, Tour. I, I, he could win the PGA champions. <laughs> if he plays. If he plays. Um, He's better so yeah, than that. But still, it, he could literally cool. go out and win both. That's crazy. Yeah, it's it's exciting. 
Um, but sweet. Awesome. So that'll do it for us here on the Did You Hear podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes and follow us on Spotify. Leave a rating as well as that really does help us out. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Did You Hear Pod. And otherwise, Emma, that's a wrap. 